coming to you from the Dietitians and Nutrition Support Dietetic Practice Group. This is the DNS Member Podcast, where we explore topics relevant to our field. From support line content to nutrition celebrity interviews and everything in between, this podcast is where DNS members can go behind the scenes and explore the driving forces behind cutting-edge nutrition support. I'm your host, Christina Rollins. Let's get started. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening to the DNS Podcast. Our guest today is Registered Dietitian Nutritionist, Amanda Settle, here to talk with us about the Low FODMAP Diet, a three-step diet used to help manage symptoms of medically diagnosed irritable bowel syndrome. Amanda is a registered and licensed dietitian with NutritionWise, a private practice in Effingham, Illinois. She was born and raised in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where, through pursuing a career as a ballet dancer, discovered her love for science and nutrition. She attended the University of Oklahoma, where she studied nutrition and dietetics, earned a Bachelor of Science degree, and completed her dietetic internship. Amanda has worked for several hospitals across the U.S., and in 2018, she and a former business partner, Lindsay Purcell, started the private practice NutritionWise. Through this company, Amanda is able to serve her local clients in person, as well as provide nutrition coaching virtually in other locations. She enjoys helping individuals and families create a mealtime strategy that fits their lifestyle, treating their health challenges and becoming the healthiest version of themselves. This year, Amanda is also serving as the official dietitian nutritionist for the Tulsa Ballet. She's a mom to two pretty awesome boys named Jackson and Wesley, who love to race their dirt bikes and play with their cats, Kylo and Vader. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us today on the DNS podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me, Christina. I really appreciate it. So earlier this year, you completed an online course on the low FODMAP diet for irritable bowel syndrome, also known as IBS. And this happened through Monash University, which for listeners who are not familiar with this program is quite a commitment. So participants earn 35 CPEU by completing asynchronous learning modules within a nine-month period. And of course, there's a fee for participating in this training. What motivated you to complete this course and essentially increase your competency as it relates to IBS? Well, I want to start out by saying that the whole concept of a low FODMAP diet has really only been around since around 2005. So not to age myself, but when I graduated from my dietetics program, I was doing paper charting. So needless to say, the low FODMAP diet was not something that I learned about in school. Um, And early on in my career as a dietitian, I was mostly working in the clinical setting. So a a low FODMAP diet was not something that I was really introduced to or really needed to utilize for that matter. It was a few years ago, I think it was around 2015. uh, I was working in a hospital, mostly in the ICU setting. And I had this fantastic boss who was very forward thinking and really supported uh, continuing education of her dietitians. And I was approved to attend FINCI that year. And it was in one of the breakout sessions that I attended. And it was from the Monash University dietitians about 
irritable bowel syndrome and the low FODMAP diet. So this was really my first introduction of this whole concept. And obviously it wasn't something that I was really able to utilize right away in the setting where I was practicing, but that information just, it, it was, I just thought it was really fascinating and it just really kind of stuck with me. So fast forward a couple of years, I started my private practice and I started seeing more and more clients with GI issues and very commonly IBS. And so I kind of, I, I kind of thought back, I remembered a lot of the information that I had learned at FINCI. And so I really started to dive in and learn more about the low FODMAP diet. And what was fascinating was the relief that my clients were getting from following the low FODMAP diet and that it just completely reduced their symptoms. Um, and for anyone who either has IBS or has experience in working with clients with IBS, um, a lot of these symptoms can really affect a person's quality of life because it can either be uh, more diarrhea related, more constipation related, or kind of a mix of both. So this can really affect uh, their quality of life. And so getting relief from this was a huge milestone for these clients. And really, I, I wanted to make sure that I was serving my clients in the absolute best way that I could. So that's when I really looked into the training course from Monash University for clinicians. And I'm so glad I did because I learned a lot of other things, not just diet, not just diet related, um, but other things that need to be utilized when working with IBS clients, um, kind of along the lines of things like stress management, um, you know, that anxiety can cause, can be a trigger of IBS. So learning how to manage anxiety, just in some other, um, some other things that can be used to help manage those symptoms as well. What exactly is the FODMAP diet and what improvements can clinicians and patients expect to see once the eating pattern is implemented? That is a great question. So FODMAP is an acronym that stands for fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides and polyols. So these, what kind of what happens is these short chain carbohydrates, um, either they are poorly absorbed or they're not absorbed at all. And they basically kind of travel into the colon where they are fermented and they can cause a lot of gas, distension, um, diarrhea, constipation. So a lot of those very unpleasant symptoms. So that's what the FODMAP stands for. So when we are talking about a low FODMAP diet, basically what we're doing is initially eliminating a lot of the foods that are high in these FODMAPs and then kind of slowly reintroducing to see which ones are the biggest culprits. So it's a three phase diet. And the first phase is pretty strict. So the first phase is usually about four weeks and that's kind of a strict elimination of the high FODMAP foods. The second phase is a little bit longer, longer where we reintroduce those subgroups. So for example, we would reintroduce um, uh, the fructans or um, the GOS, different subgroups to see 
which ones are kind of the true culprits. And then the third phase is kind of the personalization phase where we can liberalize the client's diet just a little bit more because we don't want to maintain that very restrictive diet like we were doing in phase one. Can the FODMAP diet principles be applied to patients with other GI disorders outside of IBS? Um, not necessarily. There could be maybe a little bit of overlap as far as maybe certain foods that could trigger symptoms. But overall, for other GI disorders, the low FODMAP diet is probably not going to um, yield the same results as it does for irritable bowel syndrome. Is this diet safe and effective in hospitalized patients, or is it strictly used in an outpatient setting? It is strictly used in an outpatient setting. Um, so like I kind of mentioned earlier, it's it's several, it's three phases long. So typically this is done over about a 12-week, give or take, um, or so period. So for hospitalized patients, um, this wouldn't really be appropriate, um, not to mention depending on what the patient is hospitalized for, it may or may not be appropriate to restrict certain things. And thinking about, you know, the, the folks that typically listen to this podcast, you know, we're nutrition support dietitians. So a lot of us are working in acute care or the hospital setting. Um, so are there any considerations for a patient who has been on the FODMAP diet at home, they're admitted to the hospital, and you know now something acute is going on and they require nutrition support? Right. So that's a little bit tricky now for um, TPN or PN. Uh, that's not going to be much of an issue because we're bypassing the gut. Now for the ones who maybe on enteral support, um, that could be a little bit trickier because if you look at the ingredient list of a lot of the tube feeding products, they do contain those fructooligosaccharides, um, not to mention maybe some other ingredients that could trigger some of those symptoms. So it kind of depends on the patient, but there again, they're also going to be um, on different medications. Obviously, they're going to be under a lot of stress if they're in that type of situation. So that stress alone could trigger those IBS symptoms as well. So um, it's not necessarily something to take into consideration, probably if they are on some sort of nutrition support, um, just because they're going to be out of their, um, you know, kind of out of their routine on different medications and a lot of stress going on as well. Well, let's switch gears. Tell us more about your appointment as the dietitian nutritionist for the Tulsa Ballet. Sure. Yeah, we're completely switching gears here. Um, so I was a trainee with the Tulsa Ballet um, back when I was in high school. So I had known the artistic director for some time and uh, I, I still attend some of the ballets and things like that. So I had spoken with him a few years ago and just kind of let him know, hey, I have a private practice. I'm virtual um, and that I was still coming. I still make trips home to Oklahoma to visit family. And so over the summer, he asked if I would like to be the official dietitian nutritionist for the Tulsa Ballet. Um, so it's been a wonderful experience. Obviously, it is a, a completely different group of um, people that I get to work with that are already very nutrition focused. Uh, obviously, they, they're athletes, um, they really care about their bodies and what they're putting into their bodies. So they're a really fun group to work with. So I get to make a little a few more trips home than what I normally do. So 
it's, it's been a, a really, really fun experience. Do you find it challenging to work with such different patient populations from, you know, the IBS patient who needs the FODMAP to the ballerina who's working to just continue to increase their physical fitness? Yes, it is. I'm, I'm doing a lot of different things right now. And, but that's kind of what makes my job fun, honestly. Um, with my private practice, I am gearing more towards gut health and IBS. So that's, I'm trying to attract more of those kinds of clients, but because I do have a brick and mortar office in Effingham, I do see a lot of different things, um, or a lot of different, um, diagnoses, but, um, it's, it's definitely a challenge, but I have some fabulous, uh, business coaches and a life coach that really help me to uh, manage my time and my business. Well, and that really leads me to my next question. How are you balancing all of your work responsibilities, your travel responsibilities with your personal commitments? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, it's I'm not going to say it's not a challenge. It absolutely is. I just have to be extremely intentional with my time, where I spend my time. And it's a, it's a lot of working outside of your normal work hours. So just trying to complete little tasks here and there, um, either on the weekends and the evenings or early in the morning. Well, I think being flexible is something that we have all learn to do if we weren't already flexible, then throughout the pandemic, we all learned to have a little bit of grace and flexibility in our lives. So sounds like you've really capitalized on that and are doing really amazing things. Thank you. Yeah, I think and just as a parent in general, of course, we have to be a little bit flexible. We just never know what's going to happen when you've got kids. So that definitely uh, it's it's a challenge, but a joy all, all in the same time. <laughs> So what advice would you give our listeners who do want to learn more about the FODMAP diet? Yeah, to learn more about the FODMAP diet, Monash University, they're really the leaders in um, the research on the low FODMAP foods. And so I would definitely start there looking at the Monash University website. There's also an app. So this is something that I have all of my clients download as soon as they start working with or all of my IBS clients anyway, um, download as soon as they as soon as they start to work with me, because this is something that it, it's a very interactive app. And not only does it help them to decipher which foods and the amounts of foods that they may or may not be able to tolerate, um, but there's also a diary for their symptoms. So essentially this app becomes a personalized app. So as we go through, especially the reintroduction phase or the challenge phase of the FODMAP foods, they can kind of rate um, what their symptoms are or kind of at what level they started to experience symptoms. So it's, it's a really great app. Um, there's also recipes and there is also um, a FODMAP dietitians directory. So any uh, dietitians who have passed the training course from Monash University, it is broken down by country and of course for the US by state so that you can find a uh, Monash trained dietitian in your area. That's great. And it sounds like, you know, the app in particular, it sounds like it's doing some quality of life measuring too. Is, is am I accurate in thinking that? Absolutely. Because you are measuring or kind of kind of rating not only your symptoms, um, but also how you felt at the time when you ate that particular meal. Like, were you anxious? Were you stressed? Um, so it is definitely very interactive. 
Have you found that your patients are reporting a, a more improved quality of life once they've gone through the FODMAP process? Yes. And according to Monash, they say that uh, typically only maybe 25 to 40% of clients will have relief with the low FODMAP diet. But from my experience with my clients, I have had 100% success rate with the low FODMAP diet. That's not to say that we are by any means curing their IBS, but the symptom management has, has been remarkable. Very good. Well, I really appreciate you taking time to share all this information with us. Um, I, and I'm glad you led in by saying that it hasn't been around that long because I also went to school in a time where we didn't learn about this. So it's nice that um, I didn't just miss something. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to know that it's late, more late breaking. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, very good. Well, with that, we will go ahead and conclude our podcast. Uh, Amanda, thank you again so much for taking time out of your schedule to chat with us today. Absolutely. It was it was a great time. Thanks. And listeners, in addition to the awesome recommendations from Amanda, please be sure to check out our GI-related nutrition support resources on our website, dnsdpg.org. Until next time, I'm Christina Rollins. Thanks for listening. 